Hello, I'm Ty. And I'm Kaylee. And this is Not, not 1938. 1938. So could you if it was 1938, but it's not 1938. WPA ain't hiring no more. Apples don't cost a nickel. Not in here. Not out there. You drop this thing. I I have energy. Uh, no, please don't. Not again. Like, I'm gonna no. push you out the window. No, you. <laughs> it's a horrible impression. No. You don't understand. This has a flick metric score of seventy percent. We can't we can't dub anything over that because he never says anything about flicks. I know flick metrics. I know. No. It has a budget of $80 million, which is double the budget, I believe, of the first one. Yes, double the budget. And had a box office of $282.6 million. Today, we're talking about Batman, Batman Returns. Returns. Directed once again by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, what a national treasure, and <laughs> Danny DeVito, a shorter national treasure. And you cannot forget Christopher Walken. And I really want to know what this $80 million went to because what we, we said that we thought that there was like, what, maybe like three sets in, yeah. this, in this whole movie? It looks like they recycled the at least the same five sets. Over and over and over again. Quite annoying. Well, that was my original feelings of it. I, I didn't just because... You know, there there were things in it that are definitely not okay to say today by any means. But before we get to all of that, let's go let's talk about some of the characters and let's start with Batman. Oh Batman. Yeah. Batman returns. It should have been Batman is a villain. Because the way they set this movie up is first off, it has one of the most messed up scenes put together I've ever seen in a superhero movie where a mother and father are ashamed of their deformed son, so they throw him in a river. So messed up. It's so messed up, and it's so great. So, so you have to you have to think about it like a society propped up rich people to create them in such a way that they would throw their only son over in a river. Then you have Batman, which society would prop up people like uh, Jack Napier so much that they would shoot the Waynes, and then you have Selena Kyle in which society would prop up a capitalistic scum, in which society would prop up a capitalistic Christopher Walken, who would then throw Selena Kyle out the window. And then now Selena Kyle is a victim of this. And then out of all of this, society then glorifies and treats these people like they're heroes to be held. So who would you like to talk about first then? I honestly... I mean, the only reason I picked... Selena Kyle. The reason I picked Batman first was... Kind of just to get it out of the way and be done talking about Batman. Because like you said, it should not have been called Batman Man Returns. It should have been called like Catwoman and Penguin or something. No, I I think you basically have to start with Catwoman, then go to Penguin, and then go to Batman. Because they're working in like a synonymous faction, like fashion, in which all these things are happening similar to Bruce, but there has to be a conversation on why Bruce isn't just like these people. But then again, in the end, Bruce tells Selena that they're the same. Bruce is just like Selena. So there, there's a quote that Penguin says at the beginning of the movie. He says, tragic irony or poetic justice, you tell me. And that's kind of the, the whole idea of the movie is that the tragic irony is the things that are happening to this pe- these people, and then the reciprocal of it is the poetic justice. And then it's for us to decide. So that's what I find so fascinating about this movie. So, like, uh, I'm sure you have a question about how Selena gets her powers, right? I, I did. I, 
well, I'm about to answer that. Well, my question was not necessarily how she got her powers, but did like each of the cats give like up a life for her to have nine? I don't think I so. I was very, I was very confused by that. That was my only question. My, my answer would be less of how she got her powers and more of why she became what she became. I've read a lot about people actually dying and then them coming back. And they feel like them explaining how they feel like there's a void in their life. Complete absence was better than whatever joy they had. It was almost like her dying made a part of herself empty. So she basically resorted to something more alive. The entire scene of her and her apartment is as well constructed as the dollhouse that she like spray paints. And the entire scene starts of her off as her insane. And as she's tearing the house apart, she then smashes the lights calmly before becoming Catwoman. And the lights that she smashed go from hello there to hell here. Now, I did want to talk about that this. And she's living in hell because she's having that brush of death. See, I more saw it as when she comes back in, you know, she starts breaking everything. She gets black paint and she starts spray painting. And the much. music is great. Well, it's spray painting the pink. The pink to me is showing her innocence. And then after she dies, her going and spray painting everything and being like, I'm no longer the person I was before my you know, everything is much darker now since I actually did die. So yeah, to me, absence of everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it's like, she's basically like done with her innocence. She's done with her previous life. That's what all of that was to me. See, my interpretation was just her dying. And then when she came back to life, she was like, now, because what I've read is that when people have died and came back, they wish they would, could go back to being dead because it was so peaceful. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have to wake up and live in this, like, existence. So there's even a part where Max, Shrek, and Bruce are talking, and she comes in, and she's recounting all these memories she had. Like, it was such a blur. And then I remember this guy, and this thing happened. And then she says, couldn't you just die? And she's <laughs> she's basically saying, like, her life flashed before her eyes. And she's wondering why she couldn't have just stayed dead. And like, I was listening to that and I'm like, this is some dark crap. It really is. And and I really, really like the, the using the Christmas theme to reinforce like an idea of isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Something that she does say that she does said she did say uh, that kind of stuck with me was she said, sickos never scare me. At least they're committed. Which is true. And then the, that, I mean, that's the scene where they're in the ballroom and at the masquerade ball. Yeah. And so the creation of Catwoman and also Penguin plays off of Bruce. And that's why Batman's name is still included in the title because, as I said before, it's a society that feels bad for psychopathic murderers that, and like they can cure all that, all that is bad. Also, the fact that psychopaths are glorified in the public eye, which is kind of meta considering that's what we do with comic books. And it's kind of like a fairy tale, which Catwoman says later in the movie. I'm sorry. Like the the opening of this movie, I was just like that, that, that. That's so cool. I will say that I enjoyed the first half of this movie leading up with Selena and Penguin far more than I did with the second half of this movie, even though I think the ending is great. I mean, this movie, you know, it, it, it 
it stuck with me a little bit more this time uh, than the first time I watched it because the first time I was so stuck on penguins inappropriate, <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> vulgar, however you want to put it. Oh, also, sorry. The thing about that scene that kind of makes it better, the scene that we're talking about that you're thinking of, he's also eating a fish. I just wanted to point that out. Yes, and he has this black crud coming out of his mouth. Ugh, like, and then it's he's like, looking it's like at it's the sewage, girl. And like, I'm trying not to throw up right now as I'm saying like sewage is coming out of his mouth, but that's like what I got from all of that. Um, but... This movie, I in in the at the end, whenever we go to rate it, this movie would have been higher if it wasn't for those inappropriate pieces with penguin. Like it get it just it gives off. I don't know how else to put it other than like rapey vibes. Um, I mean, how else could I put that um, for a family friendly viewing? It gives off what kind of vibes? No, no, I'd, I'd agree with it. The only thing I would argue is that the reason he becomes so perverted is because when he starts running for mayor, that's when, like I said, society kind of props him up into this perverted nature. But then that argument kind of gets knocked out of the way once he becomes more comic booky and, and I mean, See, point I blank, think, I don't, I don't point think... blank dumb. I, I think this movie is better when they try to make the villains more sympathetic. Like the things with Penguin and his parents, great stuff. It was. Selena becoming Catwoman and all the stuff with Shrek, great stuff. But the, everything in the middle, kind of bad. Kind of bad, like really bad. I, th I think. I don't think so. I think they did better with the atmosphere of Gotham to keep me pulled in a little well, bit more. Especially with the I bat mean, that, toys and like that that kind of stuff is not what I'm talking about. Like it doesn't it doesn't need the pervertedness. It doesn't. It, if if it would have taken all of that out, I think it it would have been a phenomenal movie, especially for that time. But the perverted stuff, it just it throws me it throws me out. Like I can't. Yeah, it's and, disgusting. And I mean, all of that stuff is bad. And then everything when it relates back to Bruce is some really good stuff. Like. When Catwoman and Batman are interacting and she's filling his suit and she's like, no, this isn't you. And she kind of fills around for his weak spot mm -hmm. and then like stabs him. Is that in the same scene where she licks him? Maybe. That was strange. But the, the whole licking thing, like. She's a cat. Well, yes. But then, but then you could still see her spit on his chin and then he licks it up. I'm like, he really didn't need that. That was disgusting. Well, then, I mean, it goes back all the way to the ballroom where they're. Kind of synonymous. They're both freaks, and they both figure out how each other, who each other. They both figure out that they basically both like each other, and in, the, in both forms. Yeah, and in the end, even Bruce is like, "We're the same." And then she murders Shrek, which is something that this Batman would honestly do because he's, I don't know. But Bat Batman doesn't murder Shrek. Batman murders Penguin. No, well, yeah, but what Selena I'm Selena murders. What, what I'm saying is that if Selena would murder Shrek, just as Batman would, just because, just because she murders Shrek doesn't mean that her and Batman aren't similar. It kind of just reinforces the idea that they're similar. Also, the fact that Penguin and Bruce are somewhat similar. I mean, even the, Penguin and 
Okay, Penguin and Bruce, sorry. I thought you said Ping Penguin and, and Shrek, but no, Penguin and Bruce are similar, yes. Well, and what I'm saying is, is that the Cobblepots... The Cobblepots in comic books are just as rich, if not a little bit less rich, than the Waynes. So I'm saying that the difference between them is, is that the Cobblepots' parents actually rejected him and cast him outside. The difference between Bruce is that Bruce had his family taken away. And the kind of difference that means, like, an isolation from your parents throwing you away and the isolation of having your parents be taken away and what, like, forgiveness really means. So Cobblepot has to forgive his parents, and Bruce has to forgive, of course, Jack, which he doesn't. Never does. So, I mean, this, this whole entire movie is about what it means to be a villain, not necessarily a hero. And that's what I think is far better than the first Batman movie. Or some more dislikes here. So we want, we want to go on the, the, the dislike section now. Um, so... I already said penguins, inappropriate comments. Um, and then this is just like a little like teeny, not even two second snippet in the movie. But I was just like, come on. It's like, suits? no, no, no. Uh -huh. so, <clears throat> so this came out in 1992. Obviously when CDs were first coming out. Okay. And he puts a CD into his little bat CD ROM. Um, and then he like does the thing like with oh, a record with like a dj yes he does it like a dj i don't know i scratch scratching the record is that yeah. what's called he scratches the cd when uh he's doing the voiceover of cobblepot uh and i'm just like why why that that's so it's a, just another corny piece but um i mean really i didn't have a whole lot of of dislikes um, something that I thought was messed up, not necessarily a dislike, was the fact that they trained a dog to take a bomb into a store. And then, you know, later on, the uh, penguins, the penguins uh, with bombs. But I guess in the end, I mean, did they, did they have like a little hat on a dog to like they did the no, penguins, the no. antenna? So they legit trained a dog to take a bomb into a store to blow it up. Um, it's the same dog who uh, grabbed the battering out of the air, yes. or whatever the hell that was when he was when he was like typing into the battering when there's nothing to be like pressed into. <laughs> yeah, the random pushing of buttons where no buttons exist, or or when Cobblepot took control of the Batmobile and he was hitting the gauge as if that <laughs> fixed the Batmobile. Um, something I did notice, or at least I, I had these thoughts was that um, the Grinch that came out in 2000, <laughs> I feel like the Grinch took a lot from the first three Batman movies, Batman movies. So from, I feel like the Grinch took the whole like facial aspect of the Grinch and how they, oh my gosh, not the Grinch, the facial aspect of the Joker probably putting clay on the face to sculpt it. And they did that to the Who's. And then this movie, especially the whole Christmas scene, the 
the the plaza. The beginning. Yeah. Well, no, you see this plaza like fifteen. Well, 000 I know, times. but the first time especially. But you know, you see the the plaza, and um, they're introducing the mayor, and the way they introduce the mayor here is exactly like they introduce the mayor towards the end of the movie in The Grinch, and then all of the just the extraness that Tim Burton uses, I feel like they kind of use um, in The Grinch. And, you know, obviously movies are going to take inspiration from other movies and books take inspiration from other books, like, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's a whole other thing, people taking things out from that. But, I mean, obviously they're going to do that. I just thought that was slightly noteworthy. I enjoy the uh, off-brand Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Like, no, Dad. I Chip. love you, Dad. Chip. No. Dad. I did, Duh. I did not Duh. appreciate that. What about the, uh, like, all of a sudden thousands of bat suits? Yeah, why we had so many bat suits, I really... And, and the fact that the... Uh, the upper part of the bat suit has like holes in it to clip the bottom half oh and it gosh, you have to put the bat symbol there. What about the overall tone of this movie compared to the first one? So much darker. Um, it's great. I, I think, honestly, um, you know, th this was something that I, I put down in my notes. This is probably, other than Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, Penguin is probably the darkest, most disturbing villain that we see in all of DC. Um, maybe other than you know, kind of Rorschach He'll also later be on, in but... the Batman. Played by Colin Farrell. Oh. They put face prosthetics on his face, so the Riddler, Catwoman, and the Penguin are supposed to be in the Batman with oh. Robert Benson. Okay. So Penguin is actually a crime boss running for mayor. But it's not Danny DeVito's. No, Penguin. it's Colin Farrell. Okay, but the, but what I'm saying is, is Danny DeVito's Penguin. No. You don't think he's more disturbing? Oh, I think he's because he, he terrifyingly creepy. Not not that like what I'm saying is he is so messed up. Yes, Heath Ledger's Joker does different things like switching the doctors and um, his clowns in that big tower. He does that. He puts uh, remote control bombs on. Um, the two ships with prisoners and civilians. Yes, he does that. But what I'm talking about, the dis really disturbing part, obviously uh, the inappropriate stuff, that is very perverted, creepy vibes. But the most disturbing part is he gives lists of the firstborn sons of all of Gotham to his minion goons, whatever you want to call them. And he's like, you're going to go kill them in their sleep. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That is severely messed up, and I feel like it is way darker to kill innocent children just because you were thrown away as a child. Yeah, that really sucks for you that that happened, but that does... It, it, it. Yeah, and, and the main contrast there is in some comics, 
the Cobblepots and the Waynes actually have a rivalry because they're both two extremely rich families. Right. Um, the one thing I will contrast between Heath Ledger's Joker and this Penguin is Heath Ledger's Joker is a lot less more terrifying, in my opinion, because even though he says he doesn't have a reason for doing what he's doing, he obviously does. Like when he's in the when he's in the hospital with Two Face, he's like saying, "Flip this coin." and decide which will kill me though he's holding the hammer back he's giving people the illusion of choice but also with heath ledger's joker is that he makes a lot of sense like i'm not saying what he's saying is good but i'm saying that you could understand why he's doing some of the things he's doing and cobblepot at the beginning of this movie you could understand why he's doing a lot of what he's doing but after his plan becomes unhinged that's when he starts becoming far more sporadic and now, more uh, desperate. Now, when um, The Dark Knight came out in 2012, I believe. Um, the, the Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises? The Dark Knight was 2008. Okay, so I personally didn't see The Dark Knight until 2012, 2013. That was the first time I had Dang, seen it. Well, I, I saw it at senior year <laughs> in... Uh, The first time I saw The Dark Knight was senior year. The first time I saw The Dark Knight was senior year in environmental science class. Uh, it was already, yeah, it was it was a super blow off class. And um, the teacher was like, you know, y'all aren't learning anything anyway. So um, just bring movies and we'll start watching those. It's like the last two months of the year. But one of my friends, he brought uh, The Dark Knight and I'd never seen it. And Heath Ledger seriously like disturbed disturbed me. It was it was messed oh, I up. Laughed. Now <laughs> I don't know. That that's a whole other thing. It 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 shook me to my core that movie did. But if I would have seen So Heath Ledger, you know, shook shook me to my core, and it and it seriously stuck with me for, you know, I don't, I don't, I feel like I had Heath Ledger in my mind for a good like two months after that, just messed with it, twist with my mind, just made me think. But if I would have seen Oswald Oswald Cobblepot before I was twenty four years old, I would have had nightmares about Danny DeVito in his fat suit for like my entire life. Fun story. I saw this when I was five and it didn't give me nightmares. How? How what? How did it not give you nightmares? Like I said it did. Oh, it did. Okay, yes. I thought you said you, it didn't. My dad put on the movie one night and I'm like, why would they throw his son in a river? And then when we started rewatching it, I was like, oh man, I forgot how messed up this was. Gosh, my, my childhood was messed up. <laughs> but it was it was phenomenal acting by Danny DeVito. Don't get me wrong. This was the role he was made for. Yes, it really was, and it's disturbing. Okay, I feel like that is my word of this episode is disturbing. But he did such a good job. I wish you know the writing would have been a little bit better to get this parts out that I didn't like, but. I don't know if Colin Farrell can live up to 
this Danny DeVito penguin. Have you seen what he looks like? I have not seen what he looks like. In the trailer, it's it's when he's like, this guy's nuts. Well, yeah, most uh, villains in the DC you know, universe, realm, whatever you want to call it, they're all like seriously messed up people. That's Colin Farrell. Well, at least it doesn't look like Tim Burton-esque. No. He still looks disturbing as all get out, though. No, he's a rich crime boss who's running for mayor. So what? Which is, people believe Cobblepot to actually be. Yeah, in the which comics, is right? which is funny because in the Batman trailer, they they they're directly referencing and taking scenes from the first Batman movie, like when they're holding the the large meeting outside the museum, mm-hmm. and they're all talking about the Joker. Like that shot in the Batman is in the trailer. Arkham Asylum is a thing in Gotham. Because there is literally so many psychos. Well, yeah, and that's where that's where Gotham's personality comes into play because Gotham creates these kind of people, and so does Batman, just by existing. And if you would have said that a year ago, uh, not a year ago, a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have believed you. But since seeing Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, <laughs> where it legit you know, shows the the creation of one of these psychopaths in a manner that's realistic in the fact of, you know, mental illness, how if it goes untreated, all of those things, it does get to that level of psychotic, sociopathic level yeah. that we see as in the, the villains of DC. And that's, that's why I love these earlier movies so much. Specifically this one, because this one pretty much has stakes in all of the future DC movies. The the wealthy people to do bad things, to create these scenarios. And when these scenarios happen, so the product is Batman. And because Batman simply exists, that breeds more bad things. And since people like the Waynes naturally exist, the Cobblepots would naturally throw their kid down a river. Yeah. And so Gotham has this way of taking people's hearts and turning it rotten for them to do bad things that seem comic booky, but like you brought up in the Joker and the real world, it has like socioeconomic problems. Mm-hmm. Like people would actually turn into a psychopath. People would actually turn into the Joker. You look at the Dark Knight Rises premiere and you look at, I'm not going to mention his name, but the person who shot up theater during the Dark Knight Rises premiere. Uh, it creates those people and it's a very real thing in our own society that, you know, it's a whole nother topic that, but, but it's real. Yeah. That's something that, you know, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker finally puts forth, which is why I think a lot of people were not a fan and I can kind of see also where, why, why this movie didn't make as much money as Batman 1989 did yeah. because it, it probably made people feel uncomfortable. It wasn't kids friendly. It wasn't kid friendly. It made people feel uncomfortable in the fact that a lot of, a lot of people out there don't want to deal with realistic things. And there were some very realistic aspects to this movie. And, you know, we can talk all day long about like comic book camp in this movie, like the, the penguin riding the little toy car controlling the Batmobile. But if you think about how he became, went from Penguin to Oswald back to Penguin, mm-hmm. and you look at these campy moments, the campy moments aren't really 
funny anymore. Mm -mm. They're more messed up. It's like, how could I could understand why somebody who would be throw away by his parents during the Christmas time in a time of isolation in the movie would do these things and find it hilarious. So I'm, I'm curious um, as you're looking it up to see what the critic score is of, lower. of this movie and the fan rating of this. So the tomato meter, that's the, that's the critic the score and that's 80%. And the audience score is 73%, which honestly to me is much higher. Now the rating that here in a few minutes, I'm going to give it, I feel like I may have changed my mind on it after, since watching, um, you know, Batman Forever right before we did this. Although this was seriously messed up and disturbing, I liked this better than the comic booky type, comic booky esque. Is that even a word? I don't think that's a word. The camp. The camp type movies. Because I, I prefer, you know, even if it has a, a camp aspect, I like the realism in the the, the real uh, issues that this movie kind of brings up. Yeah, and even if Gotham is not realistic, the fact that Gotham has a personality that's in a way similar to, like we can bring up BVS, which is that like is this nihilistic. Thinking. Batman Returns, you know, over over time, a Gotham like that is going to, to be like what it is in uh, Batman v Superman, which is what I think you know, a, a lot of the movie, that movie does. Yeah, and that's that's what I think is the benefit about these older movies because by the time you get to a movie like BVS, Batman's been Batman for 20 years and you could take these movies and kind of fill in the holes to understand why uh, Ben Affleck's Batman would be in the position that he's been in. I mean, imagine, I mean, we could give Chris O'Donnell's Robin crap, but imagine if he was set on fire and had Wayne Manor burned down. Mm -hmm. That would mess up Batman. You, because and like, like you're saying, because of these movies, you don't you don't need to in BBS go back and you know you know tell all these movies. You can you can have the the Robin suit spray painted by the Joker. The ha 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 jokes on you. Yeah, jokes on you. Ha ha ha. And and you understand because these movies show what these villains do to Batman. And especially contrasting like the ha 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 jokes on you to Batman 1989. Like imagine in that moment, Ben Affleck's Batman being like, gosh, I would have wish I would have killed the Joker and Harley Quinn, mm -hmm. you know? And that's why perfectly symbolic when, you know, he tells Alfred that killing Superman is his legacy. It might be the only thing that he does that matters. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other dislikes of this movie? I didn't really dislike this movie at all. Um, I thought I mentioned in the, the 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 last episode that the camera had slow panning to establish an atmosphere and establish character moments, and I thought in this movie they did it far better than the first one, and that most of it wasn't boring to me. It was very intrinsic, and. The atmosphere of Gotham was far better, and I believe that in this atmosphere, a person like Cobblepot, a person like Selina Kyle, and Batman could all coexist. And I thought the love story was more believable because it's two people that are the same side on one coin. And contrasting that to Vicky Vale, to which he couldn't really tell her 
that he's Batman. In this movie, he doesn't have to tell her. No, they they, they figure it out. Yeah, and they it, both understand each yeah. other. Uh, can we talk about uh, Michelle Fiverr's performance in this Good movie? Good lord, it's so great! And in you know, it it doesn't it doesn't national matter. Treasure. It doesn't matter if people think she's a national treasure because of the way she looks or her outfit in this, <laughs> but her 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 actual acting in this movie is just phenomenal. The whole scene where. They, they they show her going back to her apartment twice, and the first time she's like, honey, I'm home. Oh, I'm not married. And she hits the answering machine, and she goes back to Shrek's place, dies, and comes back, and she's just like, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. And contrast it to where she's putting milk in the cat bowls, and she spills it everywhere mm-hmm. and starts drinking it herself, and it mm-hmm. falls all over her, her, to her tearing up her whole entire apartment to Batman and her fighting on the rooftop. Can, can we just point out and say that Shrek is just probably the dumbest dude in all the comic book movie? Bruce Wayne, why you dress this bat? That quote, like, they could have seriously done with, done without it. And, and Catwoman's just like, you idiot, he is the Batman. Like, I don't, you didn't need that. To the very ending in which she's about to kill Shrek. But... I felt like you, that ruined a series. You didn't need Bruce Wayne tearing off... The rubber mask. And no eyeliner. No eyeliner after he tears it off. You don't need that. Like, you don't need to show Matt Shrek that you're Batman. You don't need to, you know, take off your mask for Selena Kyle when your mask is technically your Bruce Wayne face, which is what, you know, I said in a previous episode that I would bring up later that they do in in the Masquerade Ball. They also do in... The Dark Knight Rises. In the Dark Knight Rises. He goes to this masquerade ball without a mask, quote, without a mask, when his true mask, you know, is Bruce Wayne. It's paradoxical. It's, it's paradoxical. I'm going to insert that quote in here. No, I like my paradoxical. Yeah, it's like him and Selena are the only ones not wearing the mask. Yeah, because they're true masks. Like I've said, and I feel like I've said it over and over again, is they're costumes and batman (laughs) forever kind of goes into that and the sad thing about batman forever once we get into it is that that movie goes more in depth with that in duality in circles and eyeballs and watching batman forever and then watching the deleted scenes you're like dang we were so close to something good i can't i can't think of the quote that um lex luther says in is it bvs where you know what is it talking about circles circles around too complex he's, you know he you, says, can, uh, you can cut this out and put in the actual thing that i'm talking about he says round and round and round we go circles and then he goes mm, not circles triangles and then he states euclid's and it's anyway like the closest, but when, yeah. when you see the circle in this movie that's exactly what my mind went to was loose loose lex talking about that i was like i wonder if you know that's what they're trying to did you have anything else for this i've I've gone through i've gone through all of my notes i Um, went through mine the first five minutes oh really yeah how do we get more money make it comic booky make it able to sell to kids toys yes which it still didn't do well which is why they made batman and robin maybe in the toy merchandising but outside of that it really didn't and batman and robin Joel Schumacher tried, like I said, tried to make a good movie on top of a 
a shallow shell. It just turned out being bad. And then when Batman and Robin came along, it knows what it is. It's a toy commercial. It's bad. Yeah. It has the American Express card. Well, and, and you know, like I said, if, if it wasn't for us, you know, go ahead and if it wasn't for us watching Batman uh, forever before we did this episode, I would have been given giving Batman Returns a much lower rating like I, you know, I have on my on my phone than what I'm going to give it. I'm not talking anything past 1995, okay? <laughs> Dang. Well, it, it's a combination because there were some, and in my mind, when I started comparing it to the Joker and the the real, the real realistic pieces, even though it doesn't look real, Batman 1989, so therefore I feel like I have to give it a higher score. Yeah, you do. But I don't... I. Because of the inappropriate pieces, the highest I could possibly imagine giving it is a seven and a half. Wow. There are there are Batman movies that are way better than this. But, but this it is does, a staple. I wouldn't go far as saying a staple. It, it it gives the realism to, you know, mental issues to real things without like punching you in the face with it. And way before, you know, it was even slightly okay to talk about it because I still feel like today a lot of people are beyond uncomfortable with talking about these kinds of types of things. Well, we mentioned uh, back in the first Superman episode, it's it's kind of that escapism, you know, yeah. people want what makes them comfortable. Which and- is why Batman Forever is the way it is, is because they, they don't want to have to think in movies. I mean, I'm sorry if you feel, if you want to escape in movies i don't think that's what movies should be about anymore you have all of you know you can go back and watch all the ones that have been previously been made to escape i mean i mean there's an idea between escapism and uh entertainment and i feel like they run hand in hand but you can analyze most film series and then realize it's not pure escapism like you can you can watch captain america winter soldier and talk about how Hydra is taking over the government, and it's completely applicable to the post Patriot Act United States of America. Yes. It just has a comic book movie spin on it. Right. Um, you can talk about BVS and talk about how comic book m- movie it is, but you also have to realize that PTSD and sociological implications of that film exist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, there's always a real world spin on it, at least today. But this is definitely not pure escapism. No. So what would what would you be giving this since you think seven my seven and a half is too low? Eight and a half. Okay. I know we did this previously with Superman 2, but what is a comparable movie to this from, you know, we'll say from 2005 on? Mm. The last 15, now 16 years. I compared Superman 2 to... Guardian? No, you said Guardians was better. I said Joker. You did not compare it to Joker. I did, and you were mad at me. I guess. Um, this movie, I would compare to Joker, except the Joker's higher because Joaquin Phoenix is just an incredible actor, okay. and there's no Oswald Cobblepot in it. Okay. So he's like, I'm gonna leave. There's just so many conflicting principles. I hope you either cut that out or dub that. I can't dub it. Oh, that would be copyright. No dick, you'll sue me. No, Dickie, don't sue us. Closing thoughts. Overall, 
Um, good movie. I mean, I'm not. Apples and oranges. Apples and oranges. That phrase don't make no sense. Why can't fruit be compared? Batman Forever is next. Batman Forever is next. Uh, very, let's sell toys. I don't. I, I'm going to get takeout, Alfred. Are you trying to get it in my I'm gonna, cape? No, I'm going to get it uh, the drive-thru. Um, I am. The one thing I am glad now that we are done with Michael Keaton, <laughs> which I'm not a big fan of as Batman. Uh, I don't feel like he really does the role justice. Uh, next movie in Batman Forever, we get to see... Val Kilmer, which he's not my favorite Batman, but I do like him more than I like Michael Keaton's Batman. Well, growing up with Val Kilmer, he was my Batman. And just recently watching Batman Forever, I can tell you that I'm glad I've matured. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't think he's great. And Do, do you think he's better than Michael Keaton? Though? No. Really? You liked Michael Keaton more? I did. Okay. Which is surprising. This is probably the third best Batman. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll I, I'll go over my issues um, in the next episode about Batman Forever, but I will mention the fact that um, all four of these Batman movies are supposed to be a continuous Batman. Yeah, I mean, kinda. Um, but somehow um, Batman no longer has permed hair and has blondish hair in Batman Forever. <laughs> Uh, I believe and he has different color eyes. They whitewash Harvey Dent. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a big a big issue for me. Um, changing uh, Billy Dean. Billy Dean, yeah. Yeah, changing. Did I call him Dean? Yeah, you did. Wow. Shame. <laughs> Billy D. Okay, from Harvey Dent to Tommy Lee Jones as Harvey Dent's Two Face. That, that that was an issue for me, and you know, there I got a lot of other issues with that movie. Um, but that will be in an episode to come, the next episode. They do allude to Catwoman, though. So They do do allude to Catwoman very briefly. They also kind of do uh, allude to uh, Vicky, not Vicky Valencourt. <laughs> Gosh dang it, Vicky Vale. A very brief one, though. I mean, I guess they keep uh, continuity with Jack Napier murdering his parents. Yeah. But we never really see that validation, so... So on February 10th is when you can start listening to Batman Forever. That's all, folks. How do you want to close this out? Until next time, as usual. That's how you want to close this out? the love of God, yes. Tune in next time. So could you if it was 1938, but it's not 1938. WPA ain't hiring no more. Apples don't cost a nickel. Not in here, not out there. You drop this thing.